Those of you that have been with us for a while, you know, January 2020, when it came upon us, I had no, you know, I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. Um, I learned a long time ago I wouldn't do it, so don't make them. So, <laughs> uh, as we stepped into this new year, I had no intention of talking about the changes that would come or anything that God would be doing. But in the middle of the very first Sunday's message of January 2020, and you can look it up online if you so are apt to do so to check my facts, I know I spoke these words. 2020 is a year of change. Now, I'm not telling you that because of me. I want you to hear what God is doing and what God is saying. No intention, never even really thought about it when I preached that first message of 2020. Did not have it in my notes that day, nor did I have it in notes or thoughts for the second Sunday. In the second Sunday, God had me say those exact words in the second message. In that week, as I was praying, I was talking to the Lord and just saying like, you know, that's two weeks that those words came. I had no intention, thought, or plan. God, what are you doing? What's up? The third Sunday, I brought to you this. I said, look, God's up to something. Church, I want you to hear God this morning. God's up to something because I had no intention of saying that this is a year of change. And that transitional time frame in which we are speaking, that was never on my radar or plan. But on the third Sunday, I said, obviously, God's telling us something. We should pay attention. Amen. We had a doctor's appointment, as you know, with my wife, and she was diagnosed with cancer, and it was not a good diagnosis. And when that came, I assumed the change God was talking about was that, because it was. In that moment of my life, when I realized that this girl that I've been with since I was a boy, she was 15 and I was 16 when we first started dating, And we were married at 19 and 20. And we've been together and I've never done anything without her. I I met Jesus with her. So everything in my life, I've done with Kim. And so when the reality was that she may be leaving me, I owned that statement of God and saying, okay, God, and I had to surrender in that moment of saying, whatever this change is you're bringing in my life, I have to trust you. Now, listen, there were multiple prayer times of surrender and trust in that process. And as you know, the diagnosis came back after surgery and all these things that right now she's cancer-free and we're going back September 28th, right? Yes, I am very grateful. God knows how dysfunctional I am and how much I need her. But that wasn't really my point in this. See, because in that transition of those things, our world was flipped upside down. I'm talking about our global world was flipped upside down. Everything in yours and my life has changed. Everything. Every area of our life has been impacted by something that we could have never imagined. And so as we consider that, I sat here today and contemplating since Wednesday God's message for us today and listening and thinking, thinking about Stephen and Michaela leaving today and and saying another change, another something, something unknown. When we first started talking about it, I talked with Stephen and was like, you know, what about this? What about this? Maybe we can do this. 
planting seeds in them and praying. And so far, those doors have not really fully opened yet. We're trusting God, and I know that there's ministry stuff that's going to happen there, and I'm just waiting for God to show us. But church, as we navigate through that, I sit here today, and I'm like, God, what else is coming? (laughs) It's like, you know, we're all like, enough already. We can just like, you know, like put a pause on this, and let's just kind of like take a breath. But as we look at the message God gave us last week and the fact that God leads us in unexpected directions, I don't think it's over. I don't mean this pandemic thing or any of the other craziness of our culture and our society. I just don't think change is over. One of the challenges we face is allowing God to lead us when we think we know where we're going. That is such a hard thing for us. Because you see, as soon as God gives some direction, we tend, as Christians, to grab on and take off. Now, Dave does. Confess that to you all the time. I'll just take off. I'm like, that's the way. Let's go. And pretty soon I run into a wall and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And God's like, I was trying to get your attention. (laughs) Slow your roll, man. I'm doing something. And so as we look at that surrender moment, man, we were, God is, I, I love our worship team. Thank you for the team that prays and puts together videos and, and music and stuff. As I'm just standing down there listening to the words of the songs, I'm like, God, you're so amazing that you care to knit things together for us, to speak a message into our heart. I'm absolutely confident that God is hearing our prayers, that God himself is speaking. It's not Dave. I have no ability to do it. I'm, I need help all the time. I'm just telling you right now. God's up to something, man. And I know this, church, that not only was he speaking through the music we sang, but he's speaking through this message to every heart that is in this room. And I am begging you to open your ears to everyone that is online. Open your ears. Listen to what God is saying. As we looked at the scriptures last week of the children of Israel... When they were leaving Egypt, for generations and generations, they'd been talking about what was going to happen in the future. The future was, we're going to go to the promised land, which was Canaan, that God promised Abraham way back when, more than 400 years before they had been talking about this, way beyond that point when God actually spoke to Abraham about it. So we're talking about probably, you know, well, hundreds of years they've been hearing about the fact that God was taking them somewhere and doing something in their life. But in the moment, they were slaves. But they'd been talking about this. The moment of truth, when it arrived and God was leading them, remember, we did this last week, I'm not re-preaching it. Listen, the pillar of cloud by day, fire by night, God was leading them. And as God led them, they knew that Canaan was northeast and God led them south. Not only did God lead them south, God led them into a trap. Church, God led them into a trap. He backed them up to the Red Sea where they had no escape. And then God himself stirred Pharaoh's heart so that he and his army would pursue them and trap them. God did that. Church, God trapped them. So they could not move. There was no place to run. All they could do 
is look to him. There was no other escape. There was no way out. And here they were in the face of this. Listen, when, when God delivered them in that moment and he opened the sea and they went on, they forgot real quick, didn't they? How God set them free, how God himself was leading and what happens to us in the church. Look, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I deal with you, Ed. All y'all. And when things get crazy, we get crazy. We begin to freak out and wonder what's wrong and what's going on and why is it like this? And, and we start to whine and complain. We're griping about stuff because things aren't smooth or they're not the way we think they ought to be. And we're complaining all the time. When we become so quick to complain to God, when it doesn't happen the way we want it to or expect it to. So we would never gripe to God. So what do we do? We gripe to whom we see as God's spokesman, the pastor. I'm not telling you not to talk to me. I'm just simply making a point. See, they weren't like talking about God. They said like, Moses, why did you bring us here? Hey folks, wait a minute. There was a pillar of cloud and fire right there. And it was God who was leading, but they started griping to Moses. That should have been a louder amen than that, but it's okay. I love you. See, when God doesn't produce the way we think he ought to or expect him to, our first response is griping. What in the world's wrong with us? I don't know. Let's look back at the call of Abraham. This is way back now. And as we look back at the call of Abram, his name isn't even Abraham. His name is Abram. God changed his name. You know that. So as we consider our walk with God and what God's doing and leading our lives, let's examine his. I believe, and I'm, I, well, no, let's just, this, we'll do this. I won't say anymore. Let's do it. Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So y'all know this. God didn't even give him a destination. He said, pack up and leave. Head out didn't say where he was sending him and guess what Abraham just packed the stuff and went wherever the journey took okay God I'm in alright let's read verse 2 I will make you into a great nation I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt all the families on earth will be blessed through you so Abraham departed, I'm sorry, so Abram departed as the Lord instructed. Do you see that act of obedience immediate? Something we need to understand as we're reading through that scripture, everything that was going to happen in Abraham's life was God produced. Did you hear that? See, it wasn't Abram that was going to do it. Abram was only going to follow God's lead, follow God's direction. Let me look back at that scripture with you. It's verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 12. And you'll notice that there's a continual statement that God himself makes. Listen, I will. I will. I will. That's God saying that. I will. So God says, I've chosen you, Abram. I know you. I'm going to do something in and through you. Just watch me. So Abram followed God. Whatever you want, God. Now, 
when Abram was following God's lead into the unknown, he held on to a promise that God would do something. God was going to do something significant in his life. Just follow. That's all. So Abram's life action had to be one of obedience by faith. That's why he's talked about in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Because Abram just absolutely walked with God by faith to where it is. So God's leading, did not know where he's going. And then one day he wakes up and God says, Abram, look around you. This is it. Oh, this is what you're doing. How many times has God done that in your life? Well, you're like clueless in the moment. And all of a sudden, you're somewhere and God says, stop. Look around you. I'm going to do something right here on this spot. It's amazing, isn't it? God says, this is it. Now, I want us to understand something that is really important about Abram's life right now. God shows him all this. He said, as far as you can see, I'm going to give it to your descendants. This is going to happen. I'm going to make an... I will, I will, I will. Abram never saw it. He only saw the land God was going to do it in. He didn't see it happen. (laughs) You know how results driven we are? I mean, we want God to do something, but then we want to tangibly see it. We want to be part of it. We want God to produce. And if God doesn't produce on my schedule, I think he's off or I'm off. Something's not right. Because you see, I heard him and he said, therefore, if God said it, it's going to happen and I'm going to see it happen. No, God said, I'm going to do this. And he did. But he definitely did not do it on Abram's calendar or schedule. (laughs) See, we often struggle when we don't see those end results. When we don't see the purpose or the reason for the follow when we only receive a word of affirmation in the follow, we still want tangible this. I want some reason. I want some fulfillment. I want to hold it. I want to touch it. I want to know it. God, I believe you. I know you. I trust you, but... (laughs) I want everybody to understand this, Dave included. God does not have to produce for us. And he especially does not need to produce for us on our schedule. (laughs) So we who have received Jesus Christ as our Savior. Have you received Jesus as your Savior? If you've done that, then God has invited you into a relation, a relationship with him that now puts us on course for God's mission. Very much like Abram. No longer am I living my life for me. I'm called to live my life for God. And therefore, now, my mission is God's mission, not my mission. God's mission is now my mission, not what I had planned for my life. Okay? So, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you begin a brand new life with Him. That's why Jesus said you're being born again. Now, what we're doing is we're learning a relationship with our parent. And as we follow that lead, God is giving us something on the journey called the Holy Spirit, He Himself, who dwells within the heart of the believer. Jesus told us 
that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. He'd convict us of sin, of, of righteousness and coming judgment. That He would empower us. He would give us gifts. The Holy Spirit was what we needed to navigate this journey. He is our internal spiritual GPS to get us where God is taking us. So as we walk with God, we begin to understand the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. As the Holy Spirit leads us, God is leading us to moments of surrender. As God leads us by the Holy Spirit, I come to a moment in my life over and over again. It is the history of my and your walk with God where God himself leads us to a place by the Red Sea, by the place Mirabah where there is no water. God himself leads us to these moments where we learn to surrender our mission to his mission. So when we start off, see, we've always been living for self. That's how we've always lived in sin, for self. I pursue what I want, when I want, where I want. When I come to Christ, now I'm learning a new way that it's not about me, that it's not about my plans, my agendas, what I want in the future. And now becomes a moment where God says, I want to be your God. I will be in charge. You will follow my lead. And therein, church, as we mature in Christ, we begin to feel that drawing of the Holy Spirit as he's leading our life. And it is here where many in theological worlds talk about a second work of grace. That second work of grace, whatever you want to call it, and if you've never heard it, don't even think about it. Don't get yourself confused. Follow the Holy Spirit. You won't mess up. See, as he brings us to this place of surrender, it's not a one-time surrender. It's not. He brings us to these moments where I must surrender. These moments where he is leading our life and I am not. And I have to come to that place and sometimes he has to lead me into a trap for me to stop and actually let him lead. Let's look at Jesus in the direction of his life. And we, we look at Matthew 3 and we know the story. And, and I've referenced this on the day of Pentecost, I believe. But Jesus is being baptized in, in Matthew 3. Let's read the scriptures. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. Listen, before we read any more, did you see even John the Baptist was trying to do things his way? <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, right? It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, this shouldn't happen like this. And God says, yes, it should. Just do it. So here you go. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly, love son who brings me great joy so this amazing God moment in the launching of the ministry of Jesus Christ and God's redemptive plan for all humanity the fulfillment of the promise that he made to Abram way back when where God said I will bless all nations through you this is the moment of truth this is the blessing being revealed thousands of years later God is about to release his redemptive plan so God is releasing his plan into the world. 
Jesus being uh, filled by the Holy Spirit, by the, the baptism that takes place there as the launching moment of his ministry life for God's plan. Understand this, church. God is now beginning. I'm not saying he wasn't involved. God is beginning a journey of redemption. And we know this is the thing that takes place. John, I mean, Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Launching moment. God moment. Into the wilderness he goes. This is what God does. God often leads us into a wilderness. When God leads us into the wilderness, our normal response, not everybody, I'm not going to put you all together with me or anything, it's just like in this moment. When we're in the wilderness, we begin to question. Why? This doesn't seem right, feel right, look right. This isn't what I had envisioned. Redemption, the world, ministry, miracles, all that. I'm in the wilderness alone. Alone. And the only companion I have here is Satan himself. Think about it. I'm talking about Jesus. And so as we look at the life of Jesus, and we think about ourselves. Why would we think anything other than what that would happen to me? The Spirit's leading. God's involved. God's up to something. But there I am alone in the wilderness and the only companion is the devil himself. I'm not talking about your sinful life. I'm talking about your redeemed life. Where you're following God's lead. And there you are. seems like when you read scripture we find God's people in wildernesses all the time and the reason we go into the wilderness is so that we can learn to surrender to trust and to follow look all we have to do is go back in the Exodus story for a moment we already know we look in history and God's leading God takes them through the wilderness God brought them in the roundabout way we read that scripture God led in the roundabout way. God led them in the long way. That's what the Word of God says. God led them in the long way, the roundabout way. But God was leading. Trapped by the Red Sea, but God had a plan. When they needed food, God had a plan. When they needed water, God had a plan. Church, you see what happened in all these experiences where the, we follow the children of Israel is we find them in every crisis moment giving into the crisis, giving into the challenge, giving into the momentary need I have right now. As if God doesn't know. We also know by looking at that, God actually even gives some of our wants to us because the people were whining about the manna that he produced. They wanted meat, and so God said, okay, here's some quail for you. Blew it in. So God even gives us some of our wants. As a parent, you already know this. When the kids whine after a while, sometimes you just give them stuff. You give in. It's like, I had enough. Here, just eat that popsicle. I don't care. All right? It's kind of that moment. God is looking for us to surrender to his mission. 
to trust him in his mission and to follow his lead in his mission. In Matthew 19, I want to read you a section of scripture here about um, an invitation to the mission of God. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Check this out now. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So here, check it out. Listen, he's living his life living his dream, living his mission, right? That's, we find this guy wealthy, doing his thing. He knows he needs something in his life, and he's looking for it. He's very obedient to what God says. Obviously, he said, I've kept the commandments. I'm living right. But something's missing. I need more. What do I need? Here's what Jesus said. I want everything. Think about it. Yeah, you're doing. I want everything. And as a result, the young man rather would follow his journey than God's. This was a moment of truth. This was a moment of surrender. We do not even know his name. In his life's journey, he had this opportunity where the creator of the universe invited him to be a part of the redemptive plan of all humanity forever in history. And in that moment, he looked at his own life, his own stuff, his own plans, and he saw that as a priority in his life over God's plan. Incredible, isn't it? I want everybody in this room, everybody online, I want you to understand God wants everything. It's about his mission, not ours. It's about his purpose, not ours. God's not trying to make us suffer. He has a purpose and a plan in everything he does. To live that plan and purpose is the reason we exist. There is no other reason. God's purpose and plan for your life is the reason you exist. So many of us are just asking him to join us on our journey. And this is the moment where God is saying, I want you to surrender to me. I want you to follow my lead. It's all about what I say. Church, this moment of surrender is happening throughout our life. I can tell you huge moments of surrender in my life. Not only the first time I gave my life to Christ where I had to surrender, but when he said, I want you to pastor this church, and I was like, I want out of here. And I'm not talking about this one. I'm talking about the, I've, I've had a track record, just so you know. All right, My very first church, I was like, not here, God. No way. Yep, that's where he wanted me. I had to surrender. Yes, Lord. 
to leave that church. I was like, you don't want me to leave. See how crazy we are? You asked me to be here. I don't want to leave. Six months I prayed through my own emotions to say, okay, I'm done. If that's what you want, I surrender. In that very first church, I was there for six years. Prayed that prayer for six months till I finally surrendered. Listen to me. It was six months before God ever moved me. Listen, this is the kicker. When I said yes, I expected to be moving the next week. You know what I'm saying? For real. Because I said yes. All right, I'm on board. Let's go now. You can just sit there and wait a while. Six months I waited, expecting any moment that God would lead somewhere other than here. And so, just to to further that, see, I'd been taking pastoral education classes while I was pastoring the church through the Church of the Nazarene. They opened a satellite campus in Detroit, Pontiac, and Flint, Michigan, where I was from. I'd been going in, and I want you to hear this in the right way, see. They'd be coming and saying, like, when are you going to come and do one of our churches? When are you going to come and join us? So I expected when I, I said, as soon as God tells me, so as soon as God said to leave, I was like, okay, so obviously I'm going to one of your churches. Hey, what do I need to do? They said, send some papers in here. Long story short, like after three attempts of papers and submissions, I never heard from them. God was up to something. See, I'm like, what is wrong with you people? (laughs) You've been bugging me for the last three years. And now I don't hear nothing. See, God was up to something. God was up to something. (laughs) So, continue on the journey. Surrender. God, I give up. Whatever you want, I'm yours. We candidated a church in southern Indiana, of all places. No offense to anybody that's a Hoosier, but dear God, please. I was like, wow. (laughs) Man, I was so happy when he said no. I was like, "Woo! Thank you, Jesus." I was excited about that one. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, never mind. All I'm going to tell you is this: I'll just stop with the details. I don't want to offend nobody. God continued to lead me to surrenders. He still, he still does. I'm telling you that every. Every time God's bringing me. You know why God, God's not just trying to get Dave to get on his knees and say yes. God's trying to get me to live yes in him. And, and it just comes from all various places. As I said, not only ministry calls in my life, but things about my life. When God says, I don't want this in your life anymore. And it's like, why? That's not sin or anything. Whatever. Why can't I? Nope. Okay. Say yes. God knows. God has a plan even all the way up through, like I said, with my wife and this cancer thing and just like that surrender moments. There were plural many. We're just like, okay, whatever you want, God. To this pandemic, to the changing in the services, to me like, God, what am I supposed to do here? What are we doing? What, am I, what do you want me to do about the church and the doors and opening and services and online and here in person and what is it? And God's just like, trust me. Okay, God. I surrender. I'm done. Whatever you want. That's why at the beginning of the service, I wasn't just saying it. I'm telling you, I don't know what the future holds for us. I do know that it is in Dave's heart and intention to always have these doors open no matter what. 
Whatever comes our way coming into the future, we plan to have in-person services. I understand the convictions God's brought me to, what his word says, and where we are. But I don't know what goes beyond that. But I know God's up to something. God's moving. So as we walk through the wilderness journeys of life, God has been bringing us to places where we camp. We read the scriptures and you know this. They move from this place to this place. We know none of the details. Church, God doesn't always have details in our journey. He just says, follow my lead. So you may move from one campsite to another and like, okay, nothing really, there's nothing happening. Life just kind of had a pause. It's not at a pause. God's doing something. And right now what he's wanting us to do is trust him. Just trust him. Trust him on the journey. He's taking us, so he's doing something. See, even when he leads us to places that have no water, he knows there's water in the rock. That's what he did for them. Exodus 17, I better hurry up. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. You hear that? Isn't that cool? Just move from place to place. Seems irrelevant. Place to Eventually, they camped at Raphidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Did you hear that? Remember what I said? We're not going to whine it to God, but I am going to gripe to you. Why are you complaining against me, Moses says. Be quiet. And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continue to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cries out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told. The water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing. Because the people of Israel argue with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Friends, the reason I want to read this to you, and I'm going to quickly bring this to an end because we're at that time. Our faith needs to develop and grow. And therefore, when God leads us to a place with no water, we have nowhere to look but God. Quit your whining. Quit your complaining. Quit your arguing. Wait on God. When you look back in your life, you know, this is, yeah, amen to that. I'm confessing to you right now that a lot of times when there's no water, I get my shovel and start digging. I'm like, God brought me here, so there's got to be water. I'm going to find it. Okay. If God tells you to dig, then dig away. But if he doesn't, stop wasting your energy. He's up to something. So what's happening in your life right now? If you're dying of thirst... I think he knows. While you wait, don't complain. And then as you look back in your life, in your walk with God, I'm not going to talk about before God. I already know that place is jacked up. I'm talking about your walk since you met Jesus. How many places could be named Masa and Meribah in your life? Work like why, what, do something, change this, make it happen, wow, I'm lying, you know, even in our life today. 
We're so complaining, griping about stuff. It's like, is God leading your life or not? And if he is, shut up. <laughs> Remember, it's God's mission. It's God's purpose. It's God's plan. It's God's timing. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it. Man, I have a lot more to read. I need to quit. All right, look. Later today, read Mo- hey, Hebrews 3. Moses, I'm reading it. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says today, today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they were tested, and they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them and said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. That's God talking. That's crazy stuff right there. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believe, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Have you done that? If you haven't, make today the day. He's inviting you on His journey and His purpose for your life. Are you following the Holy Spirit's lead in your life, church? Why don't you stand up for these so you wake up? We're about to walk out. And while you're standing, it's easier for you to walk out to get to the altar to repent. (laughs) It's on the way to the parking lot, too, just so you know. Making it very convenient. God wants you to know. The surrender moment of your life that it's His mission and not yours is today. It's now. Whatever. If you've been complaining, you need to come and repent. If you've been arguing with God... You need to repent. It's time for us to surrender and just trust God in the moment. Are you complaining about where God has you camping today? (laughs) Did God lead you where you are? Is it truly His mission and plan or yours? Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years? Deuteronomy 8 is where I'm reading. Humbling you and testing you to prove your character. And to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Isn't that awesome? See, God said, look, I've been doing something. I'm up to something. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. Church, we're looking at history here. God's like, I knew exactly what you needed when you needed it. But I let you feel those hunger pains to know that I am your provider. feeding you with manna of food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. God was doing something new. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's Deuteronomy 8. 
Father, as we are here before you, we repent. Forgive us for our grumbling, our whining, our complaining. Forgive us for not submitting our mission to your mission. God, we surrender. (laughs) We trust you and what you're doing. We know that you're doing something, and God, we want to be part of it. And so, God, we embrace you in this moment. Wherever we are, camped where you have us camped, we trust you. We're going to wait on you to lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. You can exit out those doors right there if you would. Justin, can you prop those open for me, brother? God bless you guys. Thank you.